Hello, and welcome back to Into Riverdale, your favorite Riverdale rewatch podcast. As always, I am two-thirds of your host, and I just know good business, and it's just better financially and morally to run a private prison than it is to deal drugs, folks. You heard it here first. Joining me is that other third, Jesse. Hey, uh, Veronica's a shit lib. Yeah. Yeah, she is. <laughs> um, just, also, yeah. also, this is going to be my first fight, and I'm going to throw it for $5,000. We yeah I gotta I gotta talk about the motivations that a lot of motivations in this episode seemed a little um, lost. Archie's God Archie's so dumb. Everyone's I, dumb in this. Everyone episode. is so dumb in this episode. No no one is a good person here. Yeah. Um. But before we get into all of that, I need to re- uh, resurrect a long forgotten bit, which is an actor spotlight on uh, Miss Gladys Jones. Oh AKA yeah. Gina Gershon, because it looks like she's going to be around for a bit. Uh, much like all the other parents, uh, she's got a pretty uh, prestigious pedigree here. Gina L. Gershon, born in June of 1962, is an American actress, so not Canadian this time. Um, she's had roles in the films Cocktail, Red Heat, Showgirls, which is a big one, Bound, Face Off, great movie, love that, The Insider, Demon Lover, P.S. I Love You, Five Minarets in New York, Killer Joe, and House of Versace. She also had supporting roles in FX's Rescue Me and HBO's How to Make It in America. She currently portrays Gladys Jones on the CW teen drama Riverdale. Uh, oh, so she wait, was born in, still? Oh, yeah. oh that, I is guess that, so. Is that, oh, is that, a, is that a spoiler? She doesn't die I, at the end of this season? <laughs> I guess we know that she's not going to die at the end of the season, Jesse. I didn't think okay. she was in danger of it, but... <laughs> Uh, I, thought, so, I thought all the parents were going to die at the end of this season. I thought it was going <laughs> to turn into Lord of the Flies. Uh, not quite. Just just Archie's dad. Um, Gershon was born in L.A. to uh, Mikey Gershon, nay Koppel, an interior designer, and Stan Gershon, who worked an import expert in sales. One of those is, is her mother. I'm not sure which one. Hmm. Mm, well, you know, maybe maybe both of them are. Maybe they're yeah. not. You know? Uh, She was raised in a Jewish family in Los Angeles, San Fernando Valley. She has an older brother and an older sister. Um, I don't really care about what schools, elementary school she went to, but she did, uh, she attended the Beverly Hills High School and started acting at the age of 14. After graduating, uh, she moved to Boston to attend Emerson College, and from there she transferred to NYU and graduated with a BFA in drama and psychology slash philosophy. Okay. Okay, I have a a thing. Mm. Um... Beverly Hills High School sounds about as fake as um, Hollywood High School, but mm-hmm. they have to exist because people live there. Right, yeah. Uh, but it sounds fake. Yeah. I mean, there are, like, entire, like, private acting schools in New York where, like, if you're a child star, you attend a school for, like, actors, and that all sounds made up, but it's true. Yeah, it's it's weird. It turns out people live different lives. Yeah. Um, it's also true that um, if you want to make it in the industry, it 
helps so much to just live in New York or LA from when you're very little. It turns out you can just go to school for that then. Um, so she's always wanted to be an actress, but her career became, began in music and dance. Um, hopefully more of this Wikipedia will tell us about that, but, um, looks like she did some theater work, uh, first with David Mamet and later with Harold Guskin. And I'm, I don't know why I'm saying this. Like I know anything about theater people. She worked with some theater people. I don't care. I don't heard um, that David Mamet doesn't like women. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Probably. He's a playwright, so, like, I have to imagine. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, she was one of the founding members of the New York-based theater group Naked Angels, and she's appeared on Broadway three times. This is a Broadway actress, folks. As Sally Bowles in the Revival Cabaret, which is pretty good. That's a pretty good role. Uh, The the Revival of the Sex Farce, Boeing, Boeing. And as uh, Rosie Alvarez in the 2010 Revival of Bye Bye Birdie at the Roundabout Theater Company. Pretty good roles. Those uh, are overall. pretty good roles. Those are all three thing, three musicals that I know. Right. I mean, I don't know about Boeing, Boeing, but I think I've heard Bye Bye Birdie, and I definitely know about Cabaret. I watched both the the movie version, and I watched mm-hmm. uh, like a, a college version, college cool. actors. Yeah. So her break came with a bit part in Pretty in Pink, which led to Ooh. more substantial roles in Sweet Revenge with Nancy Allen, Cocktail with Tom Cruise and Elizabeth Shue, and John Sayles' urban drama City of Hope. Also in 91, she appeared in the action film Out for Justice, opposite Steven Seagal. She Ooh. played Patty Madonna. Yeah, I mean. Mm. Did you hear that Steven Seagal uh, became a major star because of a dumb bet? Did, did, you, did you hear that he also did sex trafficking? Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a piece of shit garbage <laughs> dookie human. Like, yeah. No, but I heard that it was a bet. Uh, the only yeah. good, the only good uh, part he had was cock puncher from the Onion the movie. <laughs> That's the only good role he had. Yeah, he was literally a like personal trainer for like this big hotshot um, agent in Hollywood who made a bet with his friend that he could take literally the most dumb, uncharismatic person he could find and turn him into a star because he was like a super agent that had lots of connections and. Uh, they were like, bet, I bet you can. And so he went to his personal trainer and said, hey, you suck. Time to make you a movie star. And that's how it happened. Yeah, and unfortunately, uh, yep. they did a bad. In 97, she co-starred with John Travolta and Nicolas Cage in Face Off. So she must have been the, the wife. I don't remember her, but... Uh, oh, she's regarded as an, a gay icon for her roles in movies such as Bound, where she played a bunch lesbian. Pray for rock and roll and showgirls. I mean, showgirls, she, of course. She, uh, she puts off like she puts off like really strong like butch vibes. We've discussed that. We've definitely discussed that. <laughs> also, also, okay, I will gonna get into this later, but I really think that the Pretty Boys is just a gang of lesbians. There's I no mean, way it's not one thousand percent. She was ranked number fifty-one on Maxim's Hot One Hundred Women of Two Thousand Four. Um, she's been alongside Matthew McConaughey for Killer Joe. 2017, she starred in Bad Kids of Crenshaw Academy, uh, Last Cat, Corona, I don't know any of these movies, uh, Gershon Costarda, Nicolas Cage in The Thriller Inconceivable, uh, she started 9-11, directed by Martin Guigi, revolving around September 11th, opposite Whoopi Goldberg, Luis Guzman, and Charlie Sheen. Uh, That's... Yeah, that fan, that film was panned <laughs> by critics and faced controversy for Sheen's history with the 9-11 truth movement. I was just gonna say, uh, that's just that's just a cast that's doomed to like 
not make a lot of money. I mean, Louise Guzman's uh, Louise Guzman's good. Hot. Whoopi Goldberg's got some heat. Charlie Sheen used to have heat. I mean, this was in two thousand. Uh, I don't know when this movie came out. When was this? Uh, this was two thousand two thousand seventeen. What? What? Okay. Okay. Who the fuck okay. is making nine eleven movies in two thousand seven? Hold on. Pause the podcast. <laughs> I gotta look at this movie right now. What kind of fucking psychopath made a movie about 9-11 in okay. 2017. Okay, well, I want to I say this, and I'm going to say with as much disrespect as possible. Mm. Unless you're making nine, a 9-11 movie within, the ne- within five years of it happening, everything else is just pandering bullshit. Yeah, it's... We... Mm, like, we got the, like, three movies directly after 9-11. I think that was, like, good for everyone. I think that, like, sated everyone. N- no one... No one needed this in 2017. Also, 2017? 2017? At that, at that point, there are people... There's more people making memes about 9-11 that's, than there are people who think about 9-11. Over, that's over 10 years from when God. 9-11 happened. That's almost that is, 20 years after the event. Like, if you're going to make a movie about a national tragedy, make it about there's, Challenger there, or something. There, there, There is, like, a window in which you can, like, make a movie about, like, big world events, I feel like. Um, I mean, I guess it depends on, like, the event, but, like, 9-11's not, like, a war or anything, right? Like, no. I feel like 9-11, you had, like, between 2000, maybe, like, early 2003 to, like, 2006 was your window. You could make a movie about 9-11 in that window, and people were like, oh, yeah, 9-11, uh-huh, and, like, I understand, but, like, 2007, that's so late, that's, like... There are people, there are people who were, who, uh, who got, just got their driver's license who never... Th- heard of 9-11 right. really. this, this is like making a columbine movie in like 2010 like well no they who's that for they did, did they? make that movie ben shapiro oh, no. no 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 it was oh it was, okay that doesn't count no. <laughs> ben shapiro's movie doesn't count no i'm talking no, about like a real movie no 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 no. that was a columbine movie just done by a conservative saying hey maybe right. the school shooter's right Right, no, 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 that doesn't, I'm talking about like no, no, an actual counts. mainstream Hollywood Okay, release. no, that counts, that counts, I'm gonna count it. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't, no. <laughs> also, don't make a school shooter movie in the year of our lore 2020. Like, it's, it's not necessary. <laughs> but yeah, we need to dive into this 9-11 movie. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that there's, it's a movie about 9-11, you know the plot. The plot is that a plane <laughs> crashes into a building and everyone's yeah, very sad they, about it. did they show that Bush did it, though? <laughs> Of course they didn't show that Bush did it, Jesse. <laughs> like, I feel like... Oh, man. Now I just want to make 9-11 jokes. <laughs> this is this is Listen, truly my 9-11. I can, look at, I can look up the plot. Jeffrey Cage is working at the World Trade Center on September 11th, 2001. He arrives at the North Tower with his wife, Eve, to sign, to sign divorce papers. And are in the elevator when the plane crashes in the building, stopping the elevator... Also in the elevator is Eddie, a maintenance man, Tina, a woman who has come to the World Trade Center to break up her with her wealthy lover, and Michael, a delivery man. Jesus, this sounds bad. They try to open the elevator doors to escape, but are unable to do so. Metsy is a dispatcher who communicates with the people stuck inside the elevator. Uh, she tells them they only have one choice, to break the elevator door open and send the maintenance man to the power room to rewire the elevator back. This just gets worse, uh, as I keep reading. The group inside the elevator begin to come up with plans to pry the door open. First, they use their hands when it's stuck too tightly. Then they try to open the emergency shaft, but uh, only be open from the outside. Metsy tells the group that firefighters cannot make it to the top floor, and they must unbolt the locking mechanism to the door. Finally, they pry open the elevator, unlock the locking mechanism, and break through the block of drywall into a janitor's room. 
Only uh, Eve gets out before the elevator's breaking cables, making it impossible for the others to escape. Jeffrey tells Eve that he loves her and promises to meet in the lobby before everyone in the elevator lie on their backs and race for impact as the elevator begins falling. The elevator speeds down, but everyone survives. Uh, Eve finds a firefighter, they open the door, and everyone gets out except for Jeffrey, who is trapped in the elevator as it falls lower. Uh, the firefighter goes to the top of the elevator, opens the emergency shaft, and reaches out to Jeffrey. Tragically, Jeffrey and the firefighter are killed when the tower collapses. That's not... That's a bad you know, movie. They did, you know, they, they made a bottle episode out of... Essentially. Uh, about a 9-11. They probably did this on the cheap. Yeah, uh, looks like... Uh. Also, uh, Zach Sharf of IndieWire described the film to be, uh, quote, one of the most offensive films ever made, in part due to the collapse of the tw- Twin Towers being used as a ticking time clock. Charlie Sheen was very publicly it was a, a 9-11 truther, too. Very publicly. Yeah, I mean... Like, well, that's like having Alex Jones on to be in your... Listen, some, a casting director didn't do their job and vet him before hiring him. They just heard Charlie Sheen, he's got heat, let's get him. He's cheap At right now for some 2017? reason. Yep. Like it I could... grossed $170,000. What? Worldwide, it grossed $200,000. It had a three-day release in North America for 400 theaters. Oh, my God. I bet it go- Oh, my God. $55,000 uh, on the first day and finished the weekend at 170 which is all the money it made. Oh, because it was only open for that weekend. <laughs> God damn. Oh. Okay, if we are going to get any good news out of this, Louise Guzman is going to be playing Gomez Adams yeah, in the next thing, which is going to be real good because I hope we get like I hope we get him like real suave and they and they don't just make him like the comedic like overweight person. Mm-hmm. But yeah, fucking hell, they didn't even make three. That that's less than how much it costs to hire the actors. Right. Uh, 9-11-2017 budget. I do just want to see that real quickly. See if I can find... It probably wasn't much. I would... It's uh, probably like a sub-10... Uh, a 10 million movie. Yeah, I'm trying to find the, uh... Metrics opening weekend. Wow, you can't just Google the budget because this movie's that bad. <laughs> Normally, Google just tells you what the budget was, but uh, I'm not seeing it. Uh, would would IMDb have the budget on it? Mm, sometimes they do. I'm guessing not this time, but we'll see. Whoopi Goldberg was in this movie. What the fuck? What the fuck, Whoopi? What the fuck? She was on the she was on the View right now. That was probably like a weekend shoot for. Yeah. Uh, tagline. The tagline was "The world watched it. They lived it." Wow. <laughs> the tagline was "This was my 9/11." <laughs> no it only has what it grossed it, I, it doesn't have the budget anywhere which maybe it's too on, embarrassing it probably is someone probably paid to get that scrubbed uh okay seventy thousand uh, is not a lot like even low budget movies run you like five hundred thousand five hundred thousand is like a low budget movie and that's without marketing and they've got some pretty big actors in here. I think it's easily they spent over a million dollars uh, between marketing and filming and hiring all those actors. Yeah, oh, I, I doubt you're gonna be. I doubt Oof. you're gonna be 
get it. Like, if they were all character actors and stuff, maybe mm-hmm. you'd be able to get it. No, for, but like, there there no. are some pretty big names in here. Uh, that's that's wild. Wow. Yeah, man. I just okay. We need to get back on track. But damn, I can't believe. Why didn't anyone tell us as a as a nation? Well, <laughs> they didn't want us to know. Apparently. Yeah, <laughs> just like how Bush, just how like Bush. Uh, and by the way, I mean, I mean Jeb when I say that. <laughs> Jeb did um, 11. Well, um, now now I'm gonna have to cancel uh, Gladys Jones for you because in 2020, uh, she will next star in Rifkin's Festival, directed by Woody Allen. Following backlash for starring the film, Gershon defended her decision to star in the film, stating, "Quote: I don't believe that to be true. You should really do all of the research and read all of the articles before believing that." It's really important to make up your own mind and not go by what the masses claim. I've done extensive research and I can say very clear with a very clear conscience that I'm so happy to be working with him. That this man is not a sexual predator. Yeah. Uh, so she's probably also an anti-vaxxer. Um, <laughs> talking yeah, about doing your own research raises a lot of red flags. Yeah. Uh, not great. She was on Glee, though. So there's that. I mean, I mean the Blaine's Glee mother. Dur- the glee to to CW uh, pipeline is basically just a straight pipe. Yeah. So. Yeah. Man, I can't believe it. I was just like, okay, she made some decisions. And no, no, that was a bad decision. You can't say that Woody Allen isn't a sexual predator. We saw him be a sexual predator. Yeah, like that's not really <laughs> up for debate anymore, and it hasn't been for a number of years. Did, she, did she do that, anything else? She also else? appeared in a bunch of. She did a bunch of funny or die sketches, which I think is, in its own way, also worth canceling her for. <laughs> like, I'm I'm of two minds with the funny or die thing. Like, if you did it, like I think pre 2010 or so, you're probably okay. But no, it, she was parodying Sarah Palin. Okay. Ooh. Nope. 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 She's. I'm canceling her. Yeah. Uh, I will say the Don Cheadle uh, Captain Planet. And then thing in 2016, she uh, parodied Melina Trump. For another funny uh, video. Yeah, she's canceled. Oof. I don't know if I'm going to enjoy yep. some of this stuff anymore. <laughs> I'm just going to... Okay, she she better... She she better not be, like, real bad at the show at any point. Fucking incredible. She has been in a couple of tracks playing the Jew's Harp, which I guess is... Uh, it's also known as a Jew Harp, a Vargan, a Mouth Harp, a... Giga, a gummy bard, a comus, an Ozark harp, a Galician harp, a berry bod, a berry berimbau de boca, or a merchunga. Uh, it looks like it's just like a kind of like a. It's a mouth harp. Yeah, it, it looks like the Halo energy sword, but it's got a strip of metal running down the middle, and I and I was presumably you can flick that and it it creates sound, but it, it's she actually played that. Okay. Okay, she played that instrument on I Can't Decide, a Scissor Sisters 2006 track. She also did it for I Do It For Love on Paul Simon's collaboration with Herbie Hancock on his album Possibilities. Uh, and was a duo with bassist Christian McBride on the song Chitlins and Gefiltafish uh, on the album Converge- Conversations with Christian and on Maria from her album In Solo, In Search of Cleo. Hmm. <sighs> Okay. This, she plays the Jew harp, I guess. I don't. I I know. She she's like. It sounds like she's Jewish. Yeah, she is. 
Okay. Oh, uh, we established that earlier. Okay. Uh, it's, yeah, I think yeah, you said something about it earlier. But yeah, like, the yeah. Jews harp sounds like you're just about to like right. really say it, some bad things. It, it doesn't sound like a nice thing to call something, but that's what Wikipedia goes with. Um, so like, I don't know. It sounds like one of those things that just has a bunch of fucking weird names. Yeah, I just uh, I always known them as mouth harps. Right. Like that that describes it. Whatever. It looks like it's. Yeah, it, it looks like it's one of those things where it's a simple enough thing that a bunch of different cultures have invented it. It looks like it's used in Cambodian music, Carnatic music, Nepali tradition, Turkic, uh, Sinti, Australian, or Austrian, excuse me. Uh, so it's just one of those things. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, um, let me just very quickly see if there's anything else worth mentioning. Under, <laughs> uh, uh, under, uh, controversial beliefs, anti-vaxxer. Right. Um waiting COVID waiting denier. for that one. Right. That's I think it's coming. Uh she was in an episode of The Twilight Zone in 1987. Uh She was in Pokemon Camp as Kelly Peterson for 78 episodes. I don't what's, know what that is. What's Pokemon Camp? Uh it ran from 1999 to 2002 or Kathy Peterson, excuse me, is her role. Uh she was in Spider-Man the new animated series as Shikata. From the Sword of Shikata and Keeping Secrets. Uh, she was on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, she was on uh, the 2004 The Batman as Catwoman. So that's pretty cool. I watched that show. Uh, Ugly Betty, she was on for three episodes. She was on Psych for an episode. Curb Your Enthusiasm again? Yep, first in 2004, then again in 2007 as the same character. Oh, that's fun. Um, it's not it's not a supernatural situation where they brought her back as someone else. <laughs> Uh, um, oh, she was on Elementary for two episodes. That's cool. I watched that one. Oh. And she was on Community for an episode as Devin's wife. Glee, we mentioned that. Z Nation, Empire, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Wait, she was at Z Nation? I like Z Nation. It's yeah. Good. I, uh, it's as fun. Lorena de la Muerte, which uh, I believe is something of the dead. Yes, I think I know what season that's from. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was on Empire, Brooklyn Nine-Nine as Lieutenant Melanie Hawks. Hawkins, excuse me. Riverdale, of course. Then The Good Fight. She was on The Good Fight as Melina Trump. Does she look that much like Melina Trump that she can consistently get parody roles for her? Like, I guess. I get. She's close enough. I see the cheekbones. Yeah, I see the cheekbones. Let me pull up an image of Melina Trump. Like, like she, she, she does have kind of like a slightly Eastern European European mm-hmm, look mm-hmm. to her. Let me let me pull up an image of Melina. Yeah, okay, I can see it. In in, in the eyes and the cheeks, uh, I can... Yeah. Yeah, okay. I see it. I see it. They both got strong cheeks and uh, eye shapes similar. Alright, fair enough. So with that energy, <laughs> let's get into this episode. <laughs> time time to, for me to, to not be able to separate that from her character. Yep. Uh, <laughs> well, luckily, Jesse, her character is also a bad person, so everyone wins. Well, I was thinking uh, she was a bad person the same way Penelope was. Where, like, I could kind of be like, you know... Oh, this is fun? <laughs> yeah, this is fun, but no. <laughs> uh, this is Season 3, Episode 13, Chapter 48, Requiem for a Welterweight. Uh, they went from doing literary references to, the like, the cringiest puns. <laughs> uh, welcome, welcome to the Archie boxing arc. Do we get the epic highs and lows of... Stress of high school boxing. boxing. <laughs> of high school yeah. boxing. Also, I don't I like. Cannot, I, oh, I don't sorry, like ahead. that Hiram got better in like two episodes. Yeah, I don't I like. Cannot that. believe that 
uh, Hermione didn't manage to finish that. That's very silly. Can we talk about how the governor's name is Donald Dooley? I feel like that's Uh, a direct um, reference. Love and alliteration moment. I feel like that must be a character from the original Archie comics. It has to be. Right? Because they wouldn't name him Dooley, which is such a dumb name unless that was a reference. Um, But just... uh, (laughs) Chuckhead is so dumb. He he's like a dumb person who who reads a lot. It doesn't right. internalize anything. To be fair, this is his mom. If he if you were to ever have a blind spot, this would well, be it. No, it just is his intros. Oh oh, that yeah sure. Like that's just Jughead. Yeah, you just have to accept that. That's just Jughead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so Jughead wakes up on a cot because of course uh, this little trailer is overcrowded with uh, now five people. Uh, FP sleeping on the couch, and then JB and Gladys are in the bedroom. Wait, where's the fifth person? Oh, is that four? I'm bad yeah, at that's counting. Four. Yeah, he's that's four. Five. I'm just the like, fifth person <laughs> is the spirit of Christ that resides within us all, Jesse. <laughs> um, so we cut over to Betty having breakfast, and Alice has brought out her wedding dress, and it's because she is getting baptized into the farm. That's a fun jacket she's wearing, though. It's got oh, pineapples that, on it. That is a very fun jacket. I hope she wore that on her uh, while, while yeah, she Yeah, I'm assuming. Work. Yeah, this is like her new TV persona. So she's got like bright clothes and everything. It's cool. Yeah. She does look very much like a TV prevent- presenter. Yeah. As we cut through everyone else having breakfast, uh, we see uh, Veronica reading, I believe, the Wall Beat Journal is what they called that. I'm assuming that's the newspaper she's reading. Yeah. But uh, her <clears throat> father suspects something. Uh, cause, you know, after being waylaid in the hospital, he's back on his feet, but, uh, all his shit's missing. <laughs> what the fuck? Um, but apparently Hermione told him that the feds destroyed it, or was destroyed because of the feds, so maybe to hide it from the feds who were sniffing around. Uh, but Hiram doesn't seem to quite buy that. No, because she's a bad liar. Right. Also, I mean, just cause, like... <laughs> Also, Hiram's not nearly as stupid as everyone else in this town. <laughs> He's like, hmm, so you're telling me that I got screwed over by, by Tallboy, an ex-serpent, FP, a former serpent, is now the sheriff, and Gladys, a Toledo serpent, is now in town, all in the span of the time I got shot? Are you sure the Joneses aren't screwing me? Yeah, which, <laughs> to be fair, pretty, yeah. pretty, pretty, right. pretty good It's a fun coincidence, that. huh? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Uh, Archie, no longer caring about school because he's not going to graduate, is like, hey, Josie, why don't we ditch school and go catch a matinee at the Bijou? She's like, no, I'm actually going to college, Archie. I have to go study. <laughs> but I can hang out with you after school. And Archie's like, no, I got into boxing now. This is the, my boxing arc. There's a reason why he went to the <laughs> went to the army the fifth season. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look at them laying the seeds now, Jesse, a whole season away. Talk about Expert writing. <laughs> <laughs> just just like, yeah, you mean this dumb high school dropout doesn't have any other options? With no prospects, yeah, <laughs> who uh, fights to, like, release his aggression, ends up in the yard. Oh, wow. <laughs> has a has a martyr complex? Ooh. Yeah. Oh, God, you're right. Yeah, he's the perfect. It's like he was bred for the military. Yeah. <clears throat> After. What is this scene? Uh, so Jughead uh, and Betty are talking. Yeah, Bet- Betty's talking about how she can't even find a photo of uh, Evan Evan Naver, the head of the farm, online. And she says, that's weird. Um, which just pavloniently in my head translated to, have you ever seen him without that hat? 
<laughs> he's a weird. He's a weirdo. Have you ever seen a photo of Evan Evan ever online? That's weird. Uh, well, we go to the Serpents Club, which all the girls are God, which apparently is right. all of them. All of them except apparently. for except for uh, Sweet Pea and uh, right because we we've seen so many women in the Serpents prior to this point. <laughs> Well, well, yeah, I mean, they're saying... Oh, go ahead. Maybe they left because they have to do a striptease. Right. <laughs> to a sad but, song. But apparently, <laughs> um, the serpents have been depleted even further because uh, of the pretty poisons they've recruited aggressively among their ranks, which makes sense because Tony was probably a very well-respected member of the serpents before this dipshit who abandoned you for like a month came back and kicked her out. Um, Archie's boxing with Sheriff Keller and wants a real match and Sheriff Keller's like uh, you are absolutely not ready you have no technique you would get bodied by someone with actual training and he was just like oh no the people in the, 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 the fight club right, like, I'm just like yeah you're fighting f- fuck you d- you're f- Archie there, there was uh, there was an event in the WWE during the Attitude Era called uh, Brawl for All where some coked-up dipshit at WWE said, Hey, what if we make all our wrestlers fight for real and just see who's the toughest wrestler? And uh, this, like, D-list wrestler on the roster, like, bodied everybody and won the thing. And they were like, Oh, fuck, the guy we wanted to win didn't win. What are we supposed to do with, like, this D-list wrestler that, like, no one's really a fan of? Shit. Um, and so then they, at a wrestler mania, set him up against an actual heavyweight boxer. Uh, and they, th- I saw this in a documentary. The documentary interviewed that guy, and he was like, oh yeah, I was the punishment for him winning that thing. They, they put me in to, to beat his ass. <laughs> they showed that footage, yeah, he got knocked out in like three punches. Uh, we, we cut to a, a scene where Gladys and, um... She's receiving her payment from yeah. Veronica. Yeah, and, and it's she's... Just, uh, same deal where Gladys holds the fact that she could tell Veronica's dad about the thing and then, you know, Hiram would murder Hermione to keep Veronica in line. Yeah. And and she basically was like, hey, if you uh, maybe tell me some stuff about your dad's stuff. Oh, yeah, she wants to spy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Veronica, who I think five episodes ago would have gladly done this. Her no. situation with her dad is so strange. I don't understand. I mean, it's actually, it's not strange. It's being a 16-year-old. She has beef with her dad up until the point where she needs something. And then it's like, Daddy, is he really that bad? I think my dad's just fine. <laughs> to be fair, she is going to be a, a, a 18-year-old millionaire who just got mm-hmm. a small loan from her parents. It's some investment right, properties. So- We'll get back into this later on when they lay out the terms, but um, Archie's about to make a deal with Elio, the son of a mob family. We're on episode 13. Uh, We've spent the previous 12 episodes dealing with the fallout of Archie going up against a mob family. 12 episodes of him being in prison, a fight club, running away from town, living in the Canadian wilderness, getting uh, mauled by a bear, all because he decided to go up against a mob family. And he's finally made peace with that mob head. And can finally live his life. And what does he do one episode later? We we are uh, uh, eight minutes into this episode. And it's taken Archie eight minutes of episode time to just fuck himself and his family again with the mob. Incredible. Hey, hey, 
Archie, please think about something for one second. Incredible. For the first time in your life, think about something. Like, holy fuck, dude. (laughs) Come on, man. Just stay away from mobs. Stay away from mobs for the rest of your life. The scene is that, like, Elio's here with his fighter and the, the gym owner is like, Get out of here. We don't we don't want your kind here. Um and Archie kind of overhears it and he's like, "Hey, Elio, bro. I heard you needed a someone for your fighter to fight and you know, I I need matches. Hook me up, dog. I can I can fight him." And I was like, "Okay, yeah, bet. Um but you're going to lose cuz that's what we're doing here." Yep. Uh and then Elio offers him $5,000 and says also that like this is how things work. You need to be able to get your name like out there in fights and, and have like a resume of fights before you can get more fights. You know, kind of like jobs, you know, you need experience in order to get experience. So like you make $5,000 uh, cause you're a high school dropout and your dad works in construction. That's going to be nice for you. Also you get experience. That's going to lead to actual legitimate fights later down the road. Everyone wins. And Archie's like, yeah, that checks out. Hey, hey Archie, this, that, that boy never has anything going through his brain. Which head empty. It's, honestly, no it would have been fine if he just took the fucking dive like he was supposed to for the $5,000, which is a lot of money for a teen and a lot of money for a family that uh, is working on a single income from uh, construction. Yeah. A failing construction company at that. I don't know how he's still in business because uh, he was failing for two seasons and then got like shot and everything. I don't know. I don't know how their financials are the way they are. Oh, and here's where Veronica's... Uh, do you do you want to take this one, Jesse? <laughs> okay. So, uh, Veronica, being the mm-hmm. wonderful person she is, be like, "Hey, um, I burnt your stuff. I burnt all mm-hmm. your stuff." Which, first off, idiot. Uh, second off, um, she was just like, "Why don't you just put prisoners in your private yeah. prison instead of doing drugs? You could maybe, just maybe, use." It in prison drug dealers and drug right. makers instead of you know using them and you'll make more money which technically she's right it's a lot of money in private prisons yeah but yeah she's just she's she's just doing the liberal uh, the a very yeah. a very uh, neoliberal uh, approach to fixing she, a drug she problem she feels like her her dad <clears throat> running a private prison is somehow better than. Uh, being a drug kingpin just because it's legal. Um, yeah, they even talk about later uh, about how they're just going <clears> to <throat> lock up random people because he needs to keep the prison full in order to make money. Also, uh, she doesn't actually tell him that she did it here. She does that at the end of the episode. But she's just like, maybe it was a good thing your shit got burned. Now you can go oh. legit. It's a new start. Sorry, yeah. it's almost the same scene. So that's yeah, why. It is. <laughs> it's just she doesn't. I mean, Hiram knows, I think. He just oh. she doesn't outright admit it. He's the only one with the brain cell. And besides Fred. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so in order to get the female members of his gang back, uh, Jughead is going to parlay with Tony and try to get her to rejoin the Serpents. Tony's like, why the fuck would I want to be under you anymore? Uh, I think she <laughs> Make very, me the leader and I'll come back. Yeah, she says very rightly, uh, make me the queen. And mm-hmm. honestly, she has a lot more say over it. I think she has a lot more uh, right. over this. Than he does, like yeah, it's just. Uh, but she says, you know, if you can't offer me leadership, then you have nothing I want. I can be a leader in my own gang, and then Jughead's like, "You're not the leader. 
uh, you're just Cheryl's vanity project. This gang's not real. And Tony is upset and leaves. Excuse me, that's supposed to be the gang of lesbians that they're going to eventually all date? Yeah. Man, this scene kind of creeped me out. I'm going to be real honest. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so we have uh, Betty Everly? Something Everly? Betty, Evelyn, Evelyn? and Polly. Polly, yes. Uh, wow, we have not seen Polly in so long. Right. <laughs> I forgot I forgot she was a person for a moment. Um, but basically, um, Alice is uh, wearing her altered uh, wedding dress that she's going to wear to her baptism, which apparently there is... Um, she signed a, a waiver for it. Yeah, because there could be bodily harm. and Or uh, even death. Or death, yes. And uh, they say something that perks their interests, that her interests, I don't think if they said it just yet. Did they say the Ascension thing here? Uh, I don't know. I, I did want to point out that uh, Alice waves <laughs> it off saying, I, I've signed worse to join 23-hour fitness, which I think is funny. Oh, have we done a, a, a spotlight for Everly? Or Evel, Ever, Evelyn? Evelyn? No, I don't think we have. We should probably do that next. because we'll she also is, go back. I feel yeah, like yeah, yeah. she's, she's going to become a bigger thing soon. Um, also, 24-hour fitnesses aren't 24 hours, I learned. It's bullshit. I think you should sue them. Yeah. One time I was in a mall at 4 a.m. and I really needed to pee. And I was like, I'll go to the 24-hour fitness because obviously they're going to be open. They were not. They were closed. All the lights were off. The door was locked. I was very upset. That would be, too. I think you should take it up with the FTC. <laughs> I mean, this is just more standard. You're in a cult. We're not in a cult. <laughs> yes, you are. No, we aren't. Ugh, fine. And then she Wait, leaves. Did they say the Ascension? No, they didn't, didn't say Ascension okay. there. Okay. Well, there's going to be a plot thing, plot relevant yeah. thing about Ascension. Also, sorry, how does how does Hiram not know that the ghoulies don't exist anymore if he's running the gargoyles? Wait, he does run the gargoyles. Yeah, that just hit, that just occurred to me, because he was like, oh, I know, instead of running a private prison... I'll just take over the ghoulies who control the drug trade, and if they if I control the distribution, then I'm back on top. But he should know that the ghoulies don't exist anymore because they're all part of the gang he runs. Well, maybe maybe they weren't like being like, "Hey, with ghoulies, we're gonna join your gang." Maybe they're just like, "I got yeah, I guess Hiram isn't keeping yeah track of who's in his gargoyle gang and like what their resume is." <laughs> yeah, Fangs was managed to go almost all the way to like yeah, lieutenant fair. or something. Yeah, so. no one's no one's checking out. All right, um, Sheriff Keller quits as his trainer because he's very upset. Archie went behind his back and uh, signed up for a fight. Uh, Cheryl's teaching all the pretty poisons how to shoot bow and arrow because I guess. Okay, I'm I'm gonna say this as well. Mm -hmm. Leather jackets are a little too restrictive for archery. Yeah, like you want something a little bit looser. Also, uh, I mean, I guess if it's uh, like well worn, it, it shouldn't be that big of a deal. I am really digging uh, Tony's uh, outfit there. Hmm. It's it's like pretty cool. Like you have the pretty poisons. Wow, they yeah. they got that real quick. Oh, they have Cheryl. Oh yeah, I Cheryl. Cheryl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't even um, worry about it. <laughs> but she's wearing like this. Uh, she's wearing a flannel over like a mesh top. Mm hmm. It's very. It's very. It's it's cute. Yeah. Um. And so. Uh, Tony talks about how, like, can you believe Jughead said this was your vanity project and not a real gang? And she was like, time to show Jughead a fucking lesson. Well, I'm gonna shoot him with a goddamn heart. 
So uh, Sweet Pea and Fangs are leaving Pops, um, you know, from their date. It's it's um, in the evening and, now. It's no right, longer in the and, afternoon. Uh, who's leaning on their car but four of the poisons and then a bunch more come up from behind them. Um, and Cheryl's in charge. Sweet Pea also did the dumb thing. Be like, right. oh, like ladies, we don't want trouble with your sorority. And be like, There's more of them than you, and you know yeah. one of them will shoot you with a bow and arrow. Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, Cheryl's like, take this message to your leader. We're not, to, we're not fucking around. Respect us. And then uh, they get jumped by like six women. Um, and the foley works a little weird because you hear a bunch of punching and kicking. Then uh, approximately three or four seconds later, you hear, "Ow, no, stop!" <laughs> Which feels a little delayed from how much punching was apparently happening uh, up to that point. <laughs> Well, those were those punchings were just like the random bystander that's like, oh no, we got the wrong person. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah, they didn't put that foley in. <clears throat> um, so they report to Jughead as uh, instructed. Gladys is there as well, and Gladys is like, uh, we we need firepower to protect our stuff. So you need to go recruit the ghoulies. It's our only choice. We need numbers. And then uh, Tony learns about what Cheryl did and is upset about it. Uh, here's Cheryl's foot um, for all the dads. Cheryl says free feet. Free yeah. picks. <laughs> uh, that one's on wiki feet for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, Cheryl chews her out. Says that the point of a gang is for protection and community. Um, and then basically outright says, is this your gang or is this my gang? She was like, it's your gang, of course. So she says, good, then they don't move without my command. Have a, have a, I don't, I, eh, eh. I don't like that being their first fight. Like that we see. I don't like it. Mm. No. That wasn't their first fight. The first fight was when uh, Cheryl outed Kevin and she even said, or not Kevin, uh, Moose. And she even said, oh my God, is this our first fight? Oh, I first, see, I blocked most yeah. of that out. <laughs> So this is their second fight. Okay. They're really fighting on, like, pretty important stuff, I guess. Yeah. Uh, no no small talk fights. They're just jumping straight to the serious stuff. Archie pretty much says, uh, it's the next day, Archie pretty much says yeah. to Josie that, hey, I'm going to take some money for it's, fall. Archie spoke to Elio last, so he's just going to repeat what Elio told him. Because he thinks it's a good idea, because this is how Archie is. But then... Josie says, uh, no, Archie, this is wrong. This isn't the way to go about things. And then Archie's like, you're so right. I'll listen to you now. Also, fucking Josie's like, oh, wow, five grand. Is that what you think you're worth? Shut the fuck up, Josie. Your mom was mayor and is also an attorney. I mean, Archie's dad works in construction. To be, He's not going to college. To be fair, I do think human lives are worth more than that. But also at the same time, shut the fuck up, Josie. Yeah. I mean, well, <laughs> he's not he's not dying because of this. He's throwing a fight. Yeah, like he just gets in three rounds too. It's not even like you got to stand there and take punishment. Like, like it's that's like, be what, over like pretty quick. Three minutes, four minutes. Yeah, like it's not like it's not great, but like for five thousand, it's not a bad deal to be honest. Especially for Archie, who again has no other skills. He's not going to college. Yeah, uh, he can't work at his dad's construction company anymore either. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, also, Kevin's joined the farm. <laughs> <laughs> what i i i must have just looked over this scene yep 
uh, Betty tries to get him to help expose some shit about the farm or whatever, and Kevin's like, you know, actually, after Moose left and I was in a really vulnerable place, Evelyn started talking to me, um, talked about community and everything, and said she'd even introduced me to some cute gay farmies, so, you know, I'm out. Peace. Oh, I mean, at least they're... Is he really joining because of... to get his dick wet? Or dick wet, yeah. Just get I his... mean... <laughs> well... <laughs> but it's, it it's... seems like that's most of it. I, I feel mean, you know, he's in, a vulner- he's in a vulnerable position because, you know, his first real boyfriend... Almost died and then left like, town. Yeah, but I feel like if there weren't cute gay farmies, like he wouldn't. Like, oh, sure, that's definitely a bonus. But like you know, yeah. that's, that's how cults work. They give you what you want, or tell you they'll give you what you want, and then you join. <clears throat> uh, so Jughead cuts a deal with his dad, where uh, if the ghoulies don't do anything outrageous, sure, uh, FP will overlook their illicit activities. Um, Jughead needs this in order to convince the ghoulies to join the serpents because he can say, you know, we have the sheriff in our pockets and you won't be persecuted for your crimes. Uh, and now Gladys Jones is about to have dinner with Hiram, uh, cause, you know, two gang leaders need to come and meet and discuss things. And like every line of dialogue, uh, of his to Hermione just sounds like a veiled threat. Like, I just want things to be a little bit more consistent because it feels like sometimes he's like, okay. With for what Hermione's doing, then other times not. Like they seem to right. be like jumping back and forth if they're having an adversarial relationship or not. And I kind of just want it to be consistent. Yeah. Like they keep on like reminding you that Hiram would like kill Hermione with no regrets, and like that's the dynamic for like eighty percent of the time. But then the other twenty percent, it feels like Hermione is like going above and beyond to cover Hiram's ass. Like, in a way that doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, Hermione should have taken him down when he was down. Right. She clearly doesn't have a problem killing people herself. She killed Manetta, no issue. So I don't understand why she didn't shoot up Hiram when he was in the hospital herself. She could have easily just pulled the plug on him, literally. Again, literally anyone could walk into that room at any time. Yeah. Archie almost did it. He's 16. So anyway, Archie, having uh, just spoken to Josie, then goes back to Elio and says, I can't do this anymore. I can't throw a fight. Here's your money back. Elio says, hey, you dumb motherfucker. Why do you think I'm rigging this fight? Because I want a guy who's got a bunch of wins? No, it's because I'm a bookie, you jackass. A lot of powerful people are betting on this fight. My guy needs to win. It's not about you, Archie. <laughs> if you make this about you, uh, we're going to have issues. Archie <sighs> thinks, hmm. Could a mob guy really ruin my life or threaten my loved ones? Probably not, right? It's probably fine if I just fight them. Yeah, just... Meanwhile, uh, Jughead tracks down the one remaining ghoulie who Exposition explains to him that all the other ghoulies have joined the gargoyles after Malachi and Penny uh, were taken out of play. So then Jughead tracks down the former leader of the ghoulies or whatever who's running their G&G game. And... It's like a fucking abandoned house they're squatting in. It's spooky, because get it, they're the ghoulies. Right. <laughs> well, now they're the gargoyles. Oh, gargoyles. Oh, I mean, that's also spooky. Also, uh, the new leader's name is Kurtz, which is a weird... Because he looked kind of like a pale emo boy. Um, and the first time I've ever heard the name Kurtz was when I listened to The Adventure Zone, and one of the very early episodes involved an emo orc boy named Kurtz. That's a weird coincidence. 
Anyway, Kurtz is like, oh, no, the Gargoyle King, so I don't even care about the law anymore. G&G, so cool. Yeah. I really don't like this subplot. Or plot? Mm. Uh, who can... <laughs> mm. I don't know. Remember when, like, the last episode had so many plots and this one has maybe right. two and a yeah, half? This, mm. uh, this, mm. this feels like a transition episode. But it's not a fun transition episode. We had a fun uh, one. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't really care about Jughead's gang. Uh, much like Jughead doesn't really care about his gang. <laughs> yeah. Like, I kind of liked it when he wasn't in a gang. I think he was a better better character when he wasn't in The Serpents. Like season one. Yeah, but that uh yeah, that was all the way back in season one. I know. It's just uh Yeah, once he joined the Serpents, like that became his only motivation as a character. It's uh, yeah. all his plot lines are just about like before you remember when he was dealing oh, this is where they mentioned the ascension. Uh remember when he was talking about uh dealing with like his alcoholic dad and how he was homeless and all of this, and now it's just like, Well the serpents are in trouble again. And a lot of it's because of him, too? Yeah. You know, maybe calm down there, son. Somehow, when uh, the alcoholic in jail was their leader, they were better off. <laughs> yeah. Maybe t- maybe don't let a 16-year-old boy have a whole Yeah, whole fucking shocking. Day. Fucking shocking. Like, I think Tony would do okay. Yeah. But that's because um, she has a brain cell? Meanwhile, Archie's begging for Sheriff Keller to take him back as a student. Uh, again, Archie, just why are you doing any of this? Archie, just why? Just leave. Just leave. Just fucking take the fall, my guy. Like, you, you get money, you have some experience on your thing, no one's gonna expect you to win because you're up against a, someone who has a lot of wins already. Yeah, who's like 12 and 0, like, and is a welterweight champion. <laughs> like, calm... Okay. Archie's a real fucking dumb. Anyway, uh, Gladys is meeting with Hiram. Veronica decides to butt in because she's Veronica. We don't even get a fun Bumble ad in this episode. <laughs> right? <laughs> We're like, yeah, I found a bunch of two, uh, a cute, um, oh, what if, what if, uh. I, I want Kevin... the lost D plot of this episode where Reggie's on a Bumble date. <laughs> no, uh, no, what if, what if Kevin joined the, the farm because he found a bunch of cute, uh, like, dudes on there and they're just like yeah we're all in the farm yeah i also want the d plot of uh evelyn catfishing kevin on bumble to get him to join the farm i want both those plots i just want more bumble hats at this point (laughs) because they're so dynamically inserted yeah it's great i love it It truly feels like you're watching the truman show So whole... they're discussing crime, and then Veronica's like, I have an idea, why don't you listen to this? Uh, why do, what if we... What what does she suggest here? I can't even fucking... I don't like this plot either. Yeah, it's a dumb plot. Again, everyone's kind of dumb this episode. Okay, so I guess the deal is that uh, Hiram's gonna focus on his prison, uh, Gladys... And Veronica are going to deal with the street side drug stuff. And that's how they're going to help each other out. Oh, this is what uh, Betty wanted Kevin's help with. She's got gotten a list of... <coughs> excuse me. She's gotten a list of people who have uh, left the farm over the years. Somehow. And so she's cold calling all of them. Trying to get someone to uh, speak with her about 
what happens inside the farm. She she instead of she should have said I I have a uh, I have a true crime podcast where I do some uh, where I talk with my gal pal about right. cults and and crimes. Yeah. Um. Hi, I'm calling on behalf of my podcast. Oh no, B and V. We investigate cults and true crime. And uh, I was just really wondering if you could give me a moment of your time to discuss the farm. And the a couple of people she was calling was just like, "Why did you? Why are you calling right, me? Like, don't speak to me about that. It's so scary." Yeah. Elio asked Archie, "Uh, why are you? What do you have to prove? Why are you doing this?" Archie doesn't have an answer because he's a dipshit. So he just gives Elio back his money. So now he's gonna lose, and he doesn't have any money for his dad or family. Cool thing you've done, Archie. If you're gonna get fucking CTE, you should at least get paid for it. Yeah, at least the army has the has the gall to treat you like shit after you get out. Well, actually, they have the gall to treat you like shit while you're in it too. But yeah, you know, it will always treat you like shit. But. Yeah. Uh. So Jughead makes a really dumb metaphor about how the ghoulies are lost inside of G and G. Glad is like, listen, it's the same gang. They just wear masks now, right? So you can just recruit them anyway. Meanwhile, Betty's met with one of the women inside the fuck bunker, uh, who's going to explain uh, that her sister died while at the farm, I believe, she probably during the baptism or whatever. I, I stopped paying attention during this. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to be honest, I think this is the first episode of this season where I'm just like, eh. Alright, she says the, the farm uh, believes if you can get close to death, you can experience truth, ah, and then you achieve ascension, is, okay. is what, so that's how it ties it in. Yeah. And, like, Betty's like, oh my god, it must be tied in, even though ascension's, you know, just a real word many people use to describe things. Yeah, and, and anyway. especially in cults. Yeah. But she figures out that this near-death experience that actually killed this woman's sister is the baptism that her mom's about to go through. And she says, I gotta go. Hang out with this fuck bunker. And leaves to go rescue her mom. They need to Meanwhile, stop Josie's... Bring... Oh, go ahead. They need to stop bringing people to their fuck bunker. Yeah, soon it's not gonna be a secret anymore. And they can't fuck in it. But Josie's singing a song, of course, so that Archie can box at the same time. They love to do this thing. Wait, did she uh, say... Someone's singing. Did she say, God, we need a hero? I think she's singing either that or a song about needing a hero that's not technically that song. But yeah, it's about heroes and shit. We don't need another course, hero. Okay. Right, it's it's Archie. He's the hero, so like, you get it? She's yeah. t- singing about what's happening here. And of course they sing the whole song and play out, you uh-huh. know, you know they, they cut back between her singing and this. Yep. Uh, and also, uh, Betty running to go save her mom, which... Who cares? <laughs> I mean, Alice isn't even the Alice Cooper yeah, that I, I I miss. I miss the old Alice. I, I want... Just like I miss the old Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so does Kanye. Kanye misses the old Kanye, too. Let me, uh, this is pretty on-the-nose song. I, I didn't, yeah. wasn't looking at the, the subtitles. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's... I don't think any more on the nose than their usual fare for this kind of shot, but like, yeah, it's all very, okay. very much exactly what's happening in the scene. If we, okay, let's say we put We Need a Hero, like that song, mm-hmm. like actual over this. I think it'd be better. Maybe. I, can, I mean, it's not as t- like melancholic, which is part of the vibe here. But, okay, well, well, like you, like, you know, when you get to like the climatic part, 
because mm-hmm. you know Archie like realizes, hey, I'm faster than him or something because right. of uh, uh, no Keller. Keller. Keller says that uh, now is the time to push him because he's not used to fighting past round three because you know all his fights are fixed to go down in round three. So yeah. like this is the moment where you can push your advantage and and get in there. And, and what you do, it, what you do at this point is mm-hmm. uh, you 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 get the like. We need a hero, and then the yeah. woo thing right here. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you know we love an episode when we think about scoring it differently. Right, I'll probably do that after we hang up this call and see how it feels. <laughs> well, I mean, it worked really well with a uh, with a Betty uh, doing a sass striptease. Yeah, uh, love to hear that to Johnny Cash's her. That was a really good time for me. <laughs> it was really good. Uh, so they're into round five, and I mean it's just a slugfest. Archie gets a lot of good shots in. Um, but doesn't manage to get the knockout, which means that, uh, the fight ends, uh, undetermined. It's up to judge scoring for who wins. And, and it's so, like, of course, it's real close, obviously. Yeah. But obviously, of course, Elio's got control of the judging table as well. He's, Archie's not his only means of fixing a fight. So ultimately Archie loses this. So he still loses, didn't get paid, got punched in the face a bunch though. Good job, Archie. And also now you're enemies with another mob family, you fucking dumb motherfucker. Man, it would have been better if he killed someone and got his bones with Hiram last, right. year, last season. Like, I mean, you went, to, you went to prison for murder. You might as well have actually murdered someone. Yeah. Archie just keeps on getting all the bad shit with none of the benefits of doing the crime. Well, what, what if... What if... I don't know. I just think he's... I just want him to think... Like, a little bit. I know we can't. Head empty, no thoughts. But yeah. still. <laughs> not a thing is going on behind those eyes. Right, yeah. <laughs> God bless him. Not a not a thought behind there. Um. So, this is uh, Alice's baptism. She gets in the tub. Polly pushes her under and then holds her there. Until she starts drowning. And, of course, Betty gets there like... Wait, wait, wait. Alice yeah. Smith? Well, did she? Did she yeah. not? Okay, I guess you not take the Cooper name. Right. I mean, that makes sense. Um, I guess they're not formally divorced, but she's going by her maiden name because you know her husband's a serial killer. <laughs> I mean, uh, that's not going to stop Betty right. from still feeling really close to her dad because of the right. darkness. Yeah, yeah naturally. Yeah. Also, you know, like the farm's whole thing is like cutting away your past and starting a new or whatever. Uh, Alice talks about at the end of this episode. I think the stinger is actually Alice saying she's going to sell uh, their family home because it's the final thing tying her to her past. Uh, and so there you go. Probably getting rid of the Cooper name was part of that as well. Yeah. But literally, Alice is thrashing, trying to get out of the tub, and Polly's just holding her under until she stops moving. Pretty cool. Yeah. Then Betty arrives just in time. Of course. Pulls her out. Yep. Does CPR and uh, saves her mom's life. Shocking to me that they didn't leave this as the cliffhanger and then have her save her life immediately at the beginning of the next episode. Well, but, they're real bad at doing cliffhangers right. this, this season I mean, so far. To be fair, like I appreciate that because I don't like fake cliffhangers where like it's immediately resolved. But they uh, used to do that back. all the time, though. Right. Now now it's just like, why don't we show Archie fuck up, but also, like, kind of get with someone at the right. end? 
Spoiler alert, Archie, Archie fucks for this episode. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Although, I do, they have really good chemistry together, Josie and Archie. The, mm-hmm. the, the line that you were like, oh, so much of her not uh, messing up your pretty face. Like, right. they were just like, oh, that's cute. Oh, I feel like Josie's putting in, like, 80% of the effort to make this chemistry happen. She is. But also, Archie... Uh, you know, Archie does good when he wants to... When, yeah. like, he really has to. But I feel like only certain people take give that for him. And, like, that's, like, uh, when he's acting against Fred Perry. Mm-hmm. Mostly. It's Fred Perry, mostly, actually. But, yeah. Uh, so they go back to Archie's place to fuck. Uh, I guess we don't need no fuck bunker. Well, I mean, obviously, his dad is, like, really okay with him just fucking right above him. You know what? Actually, that's true. Well, we do know his dad's chill with him fucking, because he's walked in multiple times on Archie and been like, oh, my bad. Turned around. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's really just Betty and Jughead that need the buck, uh, buck fucker, uh, bunk, <laughs> fuck bunker. Wow. Ooh, ooh. My yeah. brain went a little fizzy there. Uh, because, you know, one's parent is in a cult and the other lives... You know, in a trailer, there's not a lot of privacy there. Yeah, I I will say, but like, okay, remember when he was uh, punching, doing the punching bag? Like his mm-hmm. dad said very clearly, like, "Hey, you're making a lot of noise up here." Yeah, yeah. They they have to be making a lot of noise. F- fucking. I mean, I don't think fucking's necessarily as loud. Uh, or he has a small bed. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's not loud. I just think that. It's probably no. yeah. Oh, yeah. this is this is when Veronica does a really dumb thing. Right. Well, uh, it's not a dumb thing because she's saving her mom from being murdered. Oh yeah, but it's still dumb. Yeah. It's so she, like it's it's just so dumb. Hiram sits down at the table and is like, "I heard an interesting story. Governor Dooley finally returned my calls, and it said you, Hermione, gave him a sizable donation to his campaign right after I got shot. Huh? What was that about? Uh, and so to save." Her mom from being murdered, Veronica says, actually, no, it's all my fault. I was the one who destroyed your drugs. Mom was covering for me. Um, but I'm not going to apologize about it, because I still think we should just run a private prison, like legal citizens that don't mind human suffering. Um, so now Veronica owes her dad $75,000 and also owes Gladys $75,000. <sighs> Good shit. Just well done, Veronica. Can you live with that, Veronica? You already can't pay off your other debt. <laughs> you owe a lot of money. Yep. Uh, meanwhile, Gladys uh, did what her son could not and recruited the gargoyles. Literally says, I did what you couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, just let Gladys take over. Just yeah. Jughead, just go back to season one Jughead, please. Go back to, like, caring about school and writing a novel instead of... This nonsense. He got hooked on investigating crime. It makes him horny. Yeah, just no, investigate crime. Serpents are a good tool for that. Well, no, but you can (laughs) investigate without the serpents, though. Well, yeah, whenever the serpents get in the way of him investigating crime, he blows them off because he's a terrible leader. Remember when two of his serpents were looking at a murder charge and he said, Why did you bother me? I was investigating crime. Yeah. Um, so Betty's like. Surely, to her mom's like, surely now you understand that the farm is terrible. They almost murdered you. And she's like, no, Betty. I saw the truth in that moment of death. And so now I'm going to sell our house. Which, man, this is the most transition-y of transition episodes. Yeah, just, uh, 
just feels like a lot of setup for entering the Archie boxing arc and not much else. Like, you know what would have been real cool? Mm. Half a season of being in the quarantine. Right. I know, Jesse. I know. I know. I feel like... <sighs> it would be cool to get, like, a Homeless Betty season that's kind of like a uh, callback to Homeless Jughead, but I don't think that's going to happen. No, it's I not. think they're going to figure out something right away. <laughs> yeah. But that's the episode. There's, there's been better Riverdale episodes. Um, there's been a lot better at Riverdale episodes. Yeah. I almost, I almost would take the fake feminism episode. The bad <laughs> episode over this one. At least, yeah, at least that one was insane. This one was just a lot of uh, whatever stuff. A lot of bad character decisions. Yeah, it's, Archie, my sweet boy. It's just like okay, Archie. Okay, Archie being dumb—that's one thing. Yeah, but like Jughead was extremely dumb this episode. So was Betty. Was Jughead dumb this episode? I uh, know oh he was just Jug- being I mean, himself. I I think Jughead is just reaping the consequence of of several bad decisions earlier on. I mean, I, don't I feel necessarily like... know that he did anything specifically stupid in this episode. It was just he's just been stupid for two and a yeah, half. Yeah, all his se- problems well, have come seasons. to roost. Yeah, yeah. His well, neglection of the serpents have led to the defection of all, uh, like a bunch of his crew. Um, you know, not dealing with the ghoulies has led to the gargoyles uh, refusing to recruit them, which I think is probably the right cause. Led to his mom taking control of his gang. You know. Just little things. They, they, his mom should take over the gag and then kick him out. That's probably gonna happen, honestly. Yeah, I mean, and, and I hope, I hope, you know what? I almost hope that the serpents don't exist after this right. season. Because I mean, like, she's bringing in new members, but like they're loyal to her, so she's gonna have a huge faction within the serpents that listen to Gladys, not Jughead. Yeah. And like, what are Fangs and Sweet Pea gonna do about it? Nothing, because there's more ghoulies now. Like the like the, yeah the whole issue was like we can't fight the ghoulies because there's more the more of them than us and now the serpents are even smaller and Gladys controls the ghoulies so like yeah she controls the gang essentially <laughs> okay well Jesse would you like to uh, recommend something to our listeners well have I watched anything mm, come on Jesse I know you've done something I know I've done something. Oh, uh, the Suicide Squad movie is pretty fun. Oh yeah, that was pretty fun. It is. It's like real fun. Uh, they they made King Shark as baby as I always think of him. He just <laughs> <laughs> he just he's just he's just a big old just a big old boy, just a big old Hawaiian god who wants to eat people, but also loves having friends. Yeah. No, it was real good. Yeah. I really like John Cena just being a unhinged asshole. Asshole. It's yeah. very fun. Um, uh, I, I like. I really like the scene, which feels violently American. I will. I will get. Uh, I will get peace no matter how many men, women, or children I have to kill. <laughs> like, yeah. violently American. Um, yeah, that but, was this whole gate stick. Yeah, but it was. It was pretty fun. I would definitely suggest watching it, especially if you have HBO Max. Because it's on there until I think August tenth, September or something. September, September something. Actually, yeah. 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 So it's gonna uh, be on there for a while. Yeah. So definitely watch it. It's real fun. I I, I want to get a King Shark plushie. I want them to make a King Shark mm. plushie, and I want to hug. I want to hug Nanui, Nanui. Yeah. So, also like um, also, I think it has a pretty good. Uh, 
I, I think shallow, but a pretty decent stance against American exceptionalism. And how uh, it, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's the closest to being critical of America that any superhero yeah. films it, done it's, in the last decade. But. It's it's the least uh, U.S. propaganda of, of a lot of the yeah, it's, like, superhero movies. You can tell there is some like very careful editing around that subject in order to get this movie released because like the, the fake South American countries politics are like not present at all in the movie it's just like uh this dictator is bad and then these military guys overthrew them and they're also bad and they were like together but then they weren't and like you don't have to worry about what they represent what? also here's like a people's faction we won't talk about their politics but they're good maybe democracy okay let's yeah. blow some stuff up they, they did they did really explicitly say the last people who were in charge were very pro-american to the point that they allowed right. them to do illegal experiments um right yeah uh and but, like they don't really explain why yeah. the military was like anti-american and like yeah. somehow was working yeah. with the pro-american government this whole time it was confusing. like yeah we don't we really don't know all we know is that one of the dictators or uh or the, one of the people of the junta was really fucking hot and that's pretty much it <laughs> right <laughs> but it's fun it's it's fun movie i would yeah. watch it and uh you know have fun yeah. Also, very gory. Uh, Mar- like Rob- so much blood. Margot Robbie does uh, exceptional in it. I think she's uh, she has a lot of fun there. Also, I think I it- also just love that we we saw this like real time revision of her character subsequently through the last like ten years of of films where she started with Daddy's Little Monster and now she's wearing a jacket that says "Live Fast, Die Clown," and yeah. I love that for her. Yeah. Well. Um- I think she she well, she took the same trajectory as she did in the comics. Like people realize she's a really fucking good character and we kind of need to take her away from this really fucking toxic thing. Mm-hmm. And uh they did. Uh she still has Daddy Little's monster tattooed on her though. Yeah. That's yeah, but, a continuity thing though. I yeah, guess. it's continuity. Although I don't think anyone would complain if they just removed the Suicide Squad, the first one from like the canon and I, uh, like, didn't talk about it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I would. That uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, John Cena is fucking funny in this one. He's always mm-hmm. he's always been pretty funny, but he, yeah. he he he's playing an asshole in this one, unhinged, mm-hmm. super jingoistic, and um, I really like that. Ildris Alba is. I have a question for you. Mm. Is DC trying to add a new stereotype for black heroes? I think it was just, I feel like maybe someone at WB doesn't like David Ayer, uh, because yeah, it's very funny that the first Suicide Squad movie, uh, the lead, the leader of the Suicide Squad was a black man who was incredible at shooting things, whose motivation was his daughter, and then this time around, five years later, when they remade the movie, uh, they were like, well, the leader's a black man who's incredible at shooting things, whose motivation is his daughter. Yeah, I I over, I kind of want the uh, stereotype instead of all like black heroes having like super strength or electricity to be they're all really sharp. Uh, they're all sharpshooters. I think that would be a nice just you know move. I guess because that was yeah, I guess I don't know. I've never there. That's a fine superhero trope. It's not like my favorite guy in yeah. any given lineup. Yeah, I'm never but- like oh fuck yeah, Deathstroke is here. I'm going to recommend an older movie. It's Attack the Block, John Boyega's first feature film. Uh, yeah, uh, it got re-added to Hulu recently, so I checked it out this weekend again. It still holds up. Still a really fun sci-fi indie film. 
uh, that has some stuff to say about class as well. So you get a little bit of everything. Yeah, also introduce the uh, world outside of the America that that really going to blah, blah, that does another police song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's real good. Also, it yeah. had almost no budget and had probably some of the best practical effects I've seen in like a- Yeah, it's very efficient with its budget. It's a very it's a fairly low budget movie, but they uh, managed to stretch it where they needed to. Also, it shout It's good. It's a good-looking movie. Also, shout out to John Boyega for not um backing down and now he probably won't get uh, film jobs for a long time cuz he he was very vocal about um yep. police brutality <laughs> and that they He's basically effectively blackballed now. Um, yeah, that's uh, but shout out to him for being a, a real one. Yeah, and when it was that and Star Wars, he like also spoke out heavily against how his character was treated there. And uh, Disney didn't like that. Uh, that he once the movies were over, he was like, actually, yeah, fuck those guys, they treated me terribly and like didn't know what they were doing. Yeah, <sighs> so those two things uh, are probably gonna cut into his workload, but I mean, he also has that Star Wars money, so he'll be set up for a while. Yeah, <laughs> he can do theater. Which honestly is like what every actor is hoping to do, is make enough money to th- that they can go back to doing theater, which everyone prefers more. Or you can be uh, Daniel Radcliffe, get that Harry right. Potter money. Daniel Radcliffe t- also does a ton of theater, though. Well, he does, but he just does weird shit now. Yeah. He doesn't have to worry about money. He just does money. stuff that interests him, yeah. He doesn't have to do anything besides yeah. the thing he wants, and one of those things is Miracle Workers, which, by the way, that's my yeah. other recommendation. New season. Watch Miracle Workers. Yeah. Uh, he does New the burlesque show. Time. In yeah. the first episode yeah. of the new season. Yeah, I mean, he, he pops up every couple of years in some weird indie film that he thought was interesting. And then the rest of the time, he's literally just doing theater because uh, every actor thinks it's more fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not, it doesn't pay very well. Uh, so you can't really do it for a living unless you're like at the very top. But yep, uh, so I'm sure John Boyega has been using his free time in London doing theatrical stuff. Maybe not this year, you know, with the whole COVID thing, but well, yeah. prior to that. <laughs> Well, I'll, uh, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but uh, yeah, I will say, uh, yeah, this we, I think we have some good um, recommendations this week. Yeah, all right, Jesse, take us out of here. Hey, uh, Daniel. Yes. You, you know, you know that that thing that you were talking about the the drug lab that you had the. Um, that oh yeah, my cool drug lab. Yeah, yeah, I was the one. Yeah, who it got burned it. up. Yeah, I was the one who burned. Oh, it. Oh no. Yeah. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> I dropped out in the fourth grade to run drugs to support my nano. That means you haven't known the triumphs and defeats, the epic highs and lows of high school football. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Get my pretty name out of your mouth. We are not the same with or without.